Hey y'all, it's Ed. It's the first to the beginning of October. Uh, UFC 253 is behind us, so I did a uh, Sunday submission for that that you're going to hear the audio for. And we had that event with uh, Irene Aldana. They're back in Abu Dhabi. The event after that with Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana, and um, you know she won a uh, she won a decision over that. And in all honesty, that card kind of went under the radar for me. Um, there was a couple of nice things that happened, but other than that, uh, you know. You know, uh, moving full steam ahead, Bellator is doing their Euro C- Series. They're going strong in October. They've had several events. Um, and, you know, MMA is full steam ahead with the exception of the pro fight leagues uh, not doing anything, which uh, bothers me because I really like their format. But I'll probably get more into that with the next Sunday submission I do for MMANews.com. But as promised, I want to keep this podcast channel going. Next week's going to be interesting. You'll have uh, a couple of pieces of audio along with a, a new intro. Um, but uh, I just got done interviewing Arlene Blanco, who's fighting Chris Cyborg for the title on October 15th. Um, I got to say, it really it really uh, grinds my gears that I'm not at Mohegan Sun for all these Bellator events when I'm usually there for all the Bellator events. But, you know, COVID-19... Uh, puts a damper on things when uh, you don't cover the sport full-time especially so sadly uh i can't uh you know put in the quarantine time and all that stuff that's necessary to protect the fighters and at the end of the day in the long run you know we gotta there they are the uh they're what keeps the sport going so we gotta keep them safe um so without further ado uh listen to the the Audio after this is uh, my Sunday submission for after UFC 253, but I figured I'd throw in a couple of updates in there, and then um, probably the beginning of next week is when I'll have, yeah, because I'll do the Sunday submission this coming Sunday, so I'll have that along with the uh, audio from uh, the full interview with Arlene Blanco, who's fighting Chris Cyborg for the title at Bellator 249, so thanks again for listening, and yeah, keep... Uh, Let's keep on keeping on. Hey, everybody. Happy Sunday. It's uh, Ed Carbajal with MMANews.com. Here with a Sunday submission for the uh, seven takeaways piece after UFC 253. I know there was a lot of MMA to get to. If you are going through the whole weekend, I mean, there was three Cage Warriors events leading into it. We had Bellator in Milan early on saturday and then then ufc 253 uh to to kind of bring us to uh where we are now on sunday where you're probably having brunch or something but um anyway before i got into it it's uh this is for mmanews.com if you uh, like what we're doing here make sure you like and subscribe to the youtube channel clicking the like and the bell notification below we've got interviews with Mackenzie dern Hanada moicano and caitlin chukagian uh, on the uh, YouTube channel for MMANews.com this week. So uh, I guess we should just get right into it with uh, everything that happened leading up to um, UFC 253. Uh, Dana White said it. it uh, obviously, Stylebender Israel Adesanya is a needle mover, and um, he said they broke all kinds of records at the post-fight press conference. Um, the thing about... Uh, Leading up to the week, there was a lot of, you know, with the face-offs, they had the media day on the beach and things like that. And one thing I want to bring up, I mean, it's I know it's kind of like a, a repeat from last week, but it deserves mentioning because of uh, 
you know, uh, he Dana White kind of he kind of hinted that he didn't want to address it anymore. But the uh, this is the seven takeaways piece over at MMAnews.com, so I'm using that for my reference. But the chaotic elephant in the fight week room, uh, he kept uh, getting asked over and over again about uh, you know the whole thing with uh, Adesanya and uh, I mean, sorry, Colby Colby Covington. Colby Covington's comments from the last week then when they were in Vegas and um, not for nothing man you kind of have to address if it enough pe if enough people are talking about it so he kind of kept saying he didn't see anything racist whatever it is but the, the even though he was frustrated about it you still have to address it and uh, like I'm not gonna beat it to a dead horse on here but I mean it, it still needs to be addressed like I, I talked about it on last week's Sunday submission so you can go back and watch that if you want but I mean the stuff you know, whatever whatever the gimmick or the shtick is, it's not cool, and uh, it, it it should be checked, especially with what's going on now. So he kind of was like, you know. But uh, once we got going with uh, Adesanya and uh, you know uh, Paulo Costa's their face offs and the things they were saying, um, one thing I got to say about the face offs uh, and uh, that press conference, and then the the whole thing at the weigh in that Dana White kept saying did more views than anything that. Uh, uh, McGregor Khabib did um, that was uh, uh, the numbers are significant and it's like uh, you know Adesanya kind of had to um, he, it, it's funny he quoted Roy Jones Jr. where he said where he said well, you almost have forgot um, the uh, there was a great reference because we kind of did forget like how, how good he is with the uh, the way he fought Romero, I mean, the thing is about that. If you're if you're just a uh, if you only tune in for the pay per views and you don't follow the sport or or martial arts or you haven't been following along that for that long, the thing about um uh the level of striking that Adesanya is at is that uh you know he's not going to come after everyone because uh you know that's just not the smartest thing to do. So if someone's going to charge him. He's he's going to you know look to retreat and counter punch and use his footwork and things like that, and that might sound boring to pe some people, but it pays off for him. So with with Costa, uh, you saw he attacked the lead leg. I'm jumping right to the end here, uh, but I guess I'll, I'll I'll work backwards. Sorry, but it's hard to uh, ignore because this is the whole. That's the submission from uh, Juan Espino. Um, where is it? Yeah, deconstructing Paulo Costa. Um, there's just so much to talk about about that finish, so we're just gonna get right into it. Um, uh, so he attacked the lead leg of a guy that 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 was he, number one. It was out there. He he didn't try checking it until it was too late, and then uh, that affected his movement. Um, and the same that that's I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, that was the same kick that he threw. To try to uh, land the body kicks against Adesanya. Adesanya said he only landed two of those that he felt, and they weren't even that strong because uh, one of the things uh, high-level strikers do is rolling with punches. You do the same thing rolling with kicks. So, so if the kick is coming this way, you know I just mo I move away from it. It'll land, but because I'm moving in the same direction that the kick is moving, you know it's just less impact. The same same way you roll with a punch. So. Um, I mean, he's just on another level, though. And then when you look at these guys, and I, I talked about it again when I talked about Kamzat Chameev and all these guys that have the ectomorph 
builds. I forgot to post that video, uh, that link too last week where I wrote about it. But uh, the 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 reach advantage was an eight inch reach advantage he had, and he was also had the height advantage. But I mean, you know, those guys, the John Jones type builds, uh, Israel Adesanya, Chamaev, all those guys, they just have these builds that are tailor made uh, for combat sports to have a great uh, career. I mean, they're you know they're they're long and wiry. The submissions sink in a lot easier. Guards are harder to pass because they got longer legs. Um, and Adesanya uses all his tools. I mean, if if you're really good, if you're really good at something or whatever your discipline may be, whether it be wrestling, boxing, kickboxing, jujitsu, um, you the whole point of of uh, an engagement with someone. It's a nice day in Jersey, so I'm sorry I keep looking up because it's beautiful outside. Um, the whole point of uh, when you engage with someone as a martial artist is to make your opponent fight your fight. And Adesanya does that all the time. Uh, if anything, he's, he's had frustration with, uh, you know, the fight like Romero. So the, 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 again, with the Roy Jones junior quote that he said, I mean, we did forget because he's, he's systematically dismantled a lot of folks. I think his, his toughest fights and I'll probably get some hate on this one, but his, his toughest fights were against Kelvin Gastelum uh, and um, uh, the former great middleweight champion Anderson Silva, who Adesanya constantly gives respect to, and I think that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's just kind of like um, he's 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 outsmarting people to make them play the game that he wants to play, and that's why he uses all the video game references and downloading and all that because I mean it, it's. It's what he's bringing into his uh, into his fight game, and I know he's got the loss from kickboxing that people like to reference because you know they, you you can't. It's a sign of success when you get haters. <laughs> so you know you got people that like to post that video, or whatever. But I mean, for him, it fuels him. It reminds him of the mistakes he made, and he corrects them. And then when you hear striking in MMA, and then there's high level strikers that come to MMA. This Adesanya has to be the best example of one of them. I mean, I know I'm not the only media person that uh is praising his striking but it's hard not to when you see performances like we did against costa um so it seems like costa's plan was to take him down and submit him but he never even really tried anything i'll say one thing i mean the costa showboated too much i i, I guess he engaged too too much in the mind game because if he had a game plan to take him down then he should have been pressing forward and driving for shots and you know, he did all this, uh, you know, the, the standing still and putting his hands down and shaking his head. No, like none of that matters. None of that matters. I mean, if, if you're doing all that, it's because it's it's a you're sending the message. And Adesanya pretty much said it, said it. He, he already felt the energy. Uh, you know, you're, you're giving these slight, subtle hints for someone that knows to look for them, that you're hurting me and these things are working. So you know, now I'm going to goof around. And, and pretty much get lose the fight. Um, it was frustrating to watch when you're watching it objectively because uh, you know, um, you know, upsets are always fun to write about and talk about too. Um, especially Costa. Uh, when I was looking at the odds, if Costa had won by submission, it was plus eighteen hundred on uh, uh, DraftKings sportsbook. So just to, just to give you an idea of uh, which which I, I threw a, a dollar into. That's just why I'm a little frustrated with Costa not trying anything. He whipped out his black belt and everything, didn't even try to take him down. So, <laughs> um, but that's uh, neither here nor there. 
um great fight uh from from israel adesanya and uh he did remind us we did we absolutely did forget because of the romero fight and uh in his defense like i said I'm, that's what i'm gonna get the hate for uh i mean some people some people because he lost in my opinion he lost around to anderson silva but he made the corrections and then uh the romero fight um people will call it boring or whatever but you know engaging with romero is the biggest mistake you can make you know and why would you risk your title if you can win by counter punching so that's uh you know, counter punching and making him chase you and making someone with with uh big muscles like that gas out and stuff like that so um he's a really smart fighter uh i don't see i don't see him losing even with jared Karen jared cannonier who has the reach and he's he's i guess he's sort of an ectomorph too but um i feel like um if you don't know in the post-fight press conference uh adesanya called out cannonier as his next opponent should he get past robert whitaker um because he's already beat robert whitaker so um i mean uh, i guess i could i'm sorry i scrolled through everything i couldn't help myself but go right into i talked about the stuff from uh you know the colbington comments and how dana white talked to him but let's get into uh, some standout fights of the night um outside of the main event because i mean we could we could do a whole 30 minutes on on adesanya and his uh his uh striking style and the kickboxing he's bringing in to mma and how he's adjusted it so um juan espino uh he pulled off uh what they call a kesagatami submission will this play here Let's see probably won't play here and mute it because uh probably get a copy so if you look at that that's kesagatami it's a judo position super painful and i think uh i'm gonna write something about this for some somewhere else but uh um let me stop that it's just for commentary so hopefully we don't get sh uh hit for that uh the ufc likes to get get crazy about about uh Sorry, I'm just making sure I have everything queued up right. UFC likes to get crazy about what you use for, to write about their own stuff. It's only helping them get views, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, back to uh, so Espino versus uh, um, his opponent. Uh, he really uh, the judo style submission. So it's called Kesagatami. And if you've never seen it, I just showed it to you really quick. I don't want to risk showing it again, but. Um, uh, he he kind of like went away and came back and then and he's got another submission went to his record so another a guy in that weight class that's in the same weight class as alexi olenek who who pulls off these judo types you know olenek is known for his um what do they call him the uh the ezekiel the nogi ezekiel choke submissions which is it's almost like crossing your arms like this but there's someone's neck in there <laughs> and you put it in um um it's definitely uh, a matchup that you could sell to a lot of fans. Um, the thing about it, though, I mean, I, I, I write these, I, I'm writing these takeaways as through fight week through the event. So when I wrote this, I, after I wrote it, I mean, I, I'm all aboard. I still do. I would like to see it because, but nobody, you know, the general UFC fan base does not want to see a grappling match. But, and which, if they do book it, you know, you could market it and sell it that way and make people interested. But I think when it comes to fight night, we've seen this before when two people of the same caliber 
and in, in striking, grappling, wrestling, whatever it is, um, one of two things is going to happen. You're not going to see what they're both masters at happen. You're they're going to test the other aspects of fighting, which will be you know. So these guys are both great grapplers. So it'll probably be a kickboxing match, <laughs> and then uh, you know maybe in a uh, takedown in the final round to to test the grappling or something like that. But that's likely what'll happen. But g given the uh, that victory. Um, it's definitely something that, uh, that I, I think will sell. It'd be interesting to watch. And, um, you know, the only thing, only Nick, I think it might be on his way out too. But, uh, speaking of, uh, this is a, this is a rough one. <laughs> uh, you know, MMA is a young man's game. So the takeaway that I took from the Diego Sanchez loss, I mean, shout out to Jake Matthews. I mean, the, the, you know, uh, I think John Anik uh, commented on it at the um, at the post-fight interview when uh, Matthews, you know, got the victory over Sanchez. You know that, that that when you beat somebody that's a known name, it's it's kind of a good notch for to to elevate the the next generation's career. But we see it more often than not in combat sports where guys stay in too long. I believe now that's three fights left on Diego's contract. And he still, I mean, he was still in it. He got a nasty cut above the eyebrow, um, but there was no quit in Diego. You know, he he uh, he was going for it the whole time, and I think that's what we all love about Diego Sanchez. Uh, you know, when you when you go all the way back to him calling the from from the lightning giving him his power to to whatever he does in training, but he's always been good. And don't forget, he's a good dude too. I mean, there's there's a lot of charity work and stuff he's done in, um, that I know Ariel Helwani has interviewed him about. Um, uh, there's a a kid with Down syndrome that Diego I know has put put on a like an exhibition MMA fight and lost to him on purpose just to to you know give the kid some uh, some good feelings and and stuff like that. Drew a crowd and everything. So Diego's a good dude, and and uh, so it sucks to see him lose, but. You know, everybody gets older, and, and if you haven't figured it out by now, combat sports is a young man's game. So, uh, you know, there's generations coming up in this, and we saw it last night. Uh, Brandon Royville, Raw Dog, uh, he was the underdog against Kai Kara France, but, um, man, I mean, I called it. And uh, if you look at the predictions piece that, uh, that I wrote here over at um, MMANews.com, um he uh he's he when it came to the ground game there was a nice sequence in the first round if i'm remembering correctly where he he went for a bunch of submissions and you know if you escape them then uh you know sometimes that can give you confidence but uh when uh when uh why did this go away oh well anyway i still have it up so i'll scroll through it and read through it i, I already spoke about Arasanya, which is at the end anyway but um yeah, the uh, the uh, Brandon Royville at flyweight. That's going to be a name to remember. So if you um if you follow me, by the way, I'm on Twitter at Carbazel, C A R B A Z E L. I do the uh, Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast, and we had him we had him on the podcast a couple of weeks before he left to to head out to uh, Abu Dhabi. And one of the things he said that the fighters that he idolized, we're talking about Diego and stuff like that. One of the things he said about the fighters he idolized was uh um uh miguel torres 
And I think we saw shadows of that when in that fight against Kai Kara France because you know he got dropped. There was a point he got dropped in the fight, and then um, obviously uh, just the the, the no quit uh, the no quit in him was just um, it's just amazing, and the pace that he moves at. I mean, most flyweights move at a high pace, but um, yeah, a great outing for Brandon Royval. Nice to have him on the main card. Definitely nice to have him on, on the podcast. So. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll get a post uh, post fight interview with him back, but um, we're definitely going to see. I mean, if he he didn't pick enough, he's not even verified on Twitter yet. They, he's going to be verified <laughs> this week, I guarantee it, because Roy Val definitely picked up a lot of fans last night, especially with that submission win. Um, he got the arm in guillotine, and uh, he made it super tight. Normally, when you do that guillotine, it's funny because that's something we drilled yesterday in my Jiu Jitsu Academy. When you get that guillotine, you know. Uh, it, it it's uh you can put your foot on the hip or or lap your leg over the guy's back so he can't escape um first he had it in so tight that he almost hung off as Cara france was trying to like shake him off he was hanging so he didn't slide off so that's why Cara france went to the put put his knees down and royval's reaction was so fast that he actually made it tighter and and crunched the squeeze in tighter when he triangled his body to make the choke so much tighter. So great submission uh, for Royval um, and a great win. Um, man, uh, we're definitely going to see more of that kid. And uh, I was so happy. I mean, you know, <laughs> sometimes when you interview a guy and they lose, you, you, you worry about, uh, you know, Oh, I hope I'm not jinxing these fighters. It's a stupid thing to think, but anyway. Um, and then our new light heavyweight champion, you know, I feel like that went. Well, I saw a couple of comments of people saying that uh, the light heavyweight title fight went under the radar, and I, I kind of agree with them. Um, everybody's watching football now, anyway. But I'm gonna finish this. Uh, I'm just looking at the views that are coming in as I record this live on 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 Twitch and uh, Periscope. But um, yeah, man, new light heavyweight champion. Uh, who knew Blockowitz had power, a crow cop level power like that? Um, if you saw that fight, man, I mean, the, he landed a couple of body kicks under the rib cage right here of uh, Dominic Reyes, and whoo, whoo, uh, that was reminiscent of when uh, uh, Wanderlei Silva and Crow cop fought in Pride, and and then uh, Crow cop left a similar mark on Silva's rib cage. It's almost like the outline of the bone structure of their of their lower shin and, and foot. So um, I mean, he, he he he. You can't say that he didn't hurt him with that. And then obviously, when he started landing the such clean and crisp center line strikes straight down the middle, um, he 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 broke. Obviously, he broke he broke Reyes' nose. Um, I picked Reyes to win that. You know, because Reyes had had uh, done so well to get his shot against John Jones. And then, oddly enough, he calls out John Jones, um, you know, because we all know now that John Jones vacated the title. And then, uh, yeah, if he, Jones was tweet happy uh, uh, during the event, so you know, he commented on he actually saw the the opening on Reyes in the fight, and and he, he tweeted that. And then one of the things he tweeted after the event was, if 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 uh, us as fans would be mad if he decided to go get his belt back because Blachowicz. Uh, is it Blachowicz or Blachowicz? I'm sure it's Blachowicz. Um, I got to rewatch Joanna's celebration video. To to she uh, she went. There's ESPN posted her 
going nuts uh you know about the event but um, anyway yeah man the uh uh blockowitz uh definitely brought it home um with a knockout and uh he calls out john jones john jones seems interested in facing him because block blockowitz is kind of insinuating that you ran away from me because you never gave me a chance to gave me my chance to fight for the belt so now i'm the champion so i mean jones jones john jones is not someone <laughs> I mean, he's been the light heavyweight champion, which seems like forever now. So maybe it's starting to bother him to hear that. Uh, but I mean, he did vacate it to pursue some another weight classes belts, which there's a lot of fights there for him to make. So, and uh, you know, you, you have to wonder the the on the business end of things. You know, when uh, the matchmakers, I think they do it Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Uh, I don't even know if they have those because they already have so many events booked for for Fight Island uh, and their stint there because obviously they're there you know through October till Khabib Gaethje happens. So um, it's definitely something to think about when it comes to um, what's next for for John Jones. It's nice to have a new champion because it kind of resets the division. There's a lot of question marks there. Because when John Jones is was in it, you know, it's always like, okay, you know, he's he's been so good for so long. I guess to the point that folks were kind of tuning in to see, you know, to watch him lose. But uh, I think there's some steam behind a Jones Blockowitz match if he comes back to reclaim his belt, even though he vacated it. But when you when you make a that's a pretty big move to vacate a title too, right? To go into another weight class. So, I mean, uh, if anyone is sitting on a lot of potential high high profile big money matches it's going to be it's definitely um jones and uh john jones and uh anybody in uh uh the welterweight class which uh speaking of which you know there's this like trend of reporting fights and um so combate recorded uh reported that uh stephen thompson and kamzat chamiev were agreeing to fight in november or december or something like that um when they brought that to dana white's attention at the post-fight press conference he said that's not the case it's actually stephen thompson and leon edwards um we all know that uh whatever makes sense as in dollar signs you know or, or sense signs whatever whatever if it makes dollars it makes sense like the saying goes so um they're gonna see what trends more and then they'll, they'll try to make it happen but it looks like uh it looks like so if i, I don't know if this went under the radar or not because nate diaz is pretty popular but you know nate diaz looks like he wants to get his bmf rematch against jorge masvidal but in 2021 it looks like he had his own promo video made for it which is really cool if you haven't checked it out you should check it out um and then uh but uh at the post-fight press conference, it seemed like Dana White was leaning more towards uh, Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. And if you're following that, uh, people know that uh, Masvidal and Covington have a history from training together and stuff like that. So fights like that are interesting because when when you match up two guys that that have trained together and know each other really well, then you know it, you you can expect a competitive matchup. Um, if you look at when uh, Usman and Burns were supposed to fight, uh, they trained together under Henry Henry Hooft and, and uh, uh, 
you know, it's one of those things where where somebody's going to take a step out. So as far as training and and have to step outside the box, you know. So it's it that's what makes that bout interesting, but you know, nobody really looks at the, the not many people, I shouldn't say nobody. Not many people look at the technical aspects of a fight um on the technical end of, of their skill sets and, and the history they shared in the training room, um, more people are going to get behind the beef of, you know, the Covington with his comments and his whole MAGA stick and, uh, you know, and uh, Jorge Masvidal looking to uh, baptize him with truth versus all the uh, shenanigans or lies or whatever, the, whatever beef they have with each other. Uh, that's something I'm not into. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of putting that where it is, but um it was a great event last night. I think that's all my takeaways. I already talked about deconstructing Paula Costa. And um, the thing about uh, one thing that Dana White seemed content with, uh, this is, was the last takeaway. Um, you know, he talked about, he said UFC 253 broke all kinds of records, but we don't really know the pay-per-view numbers and stuff like that. Uh, those usually don't come out or get reported or given to whomever's supposed to report them with their media friendly UFC people um, around like Tuesday or Wednesday. I think we get those numbers as far as pay-per-view buys, but social media trends. He gave a lot of numbers for that. I mean, he talked about the face-off video with Costa and Adesanya and then just overall the, the they picked up like eight, 8 million more. I think he said 8 million more followers during the time of the pandemic. Um, so, I mean, so far, his uh, trying to be first and moving forward during COVID is really paying off, not just for, for him, but like the this, this sport and mixed martial arts and the UFC in general. Um, you know, uh, if, if, you, if you look back, there was a lot of people that were against it, and, um, but everybody's tuning in, so because we're all stuck at home, right? Um, yeah, so... Um, but the reason I bring it up is because he, people were asking him about the numbers, and he's uh, he's expecting UFC 254, that's going to be in an on Fight Island as well, with uh, which is obviously the we're all waiting for Justin Gaethje versus Khabib Nurmagomedov, um, interim champ versus the champ for the lightweight title. Um, you know, McGregor is probably going to go go box Pacquiao, depending on the steam behind that. Um, I just think that uh, you know we. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I, I like that Dana White said at the post-fight press conference because every you know I, I said it before. Somebody always has to bring a Conor McGregor, even though he's he's posted that he's retired and whatnot, and he's looking to box and, and things like that. And then he puts up the, the the DMs between him and Dana White, which Dana White wasn't too happy with that he broke the bro code or whatever they called it. Um, about the whole thing with fighting Diego and, and, you know, McGregor's, um, McGregor's, uh, he's being picky about who he fights. Um, so, cause apparently, I mean, we, we, I understand it'd be nice for Diego to get a, a payday, like a McGregor payday. Cause no matter who McGregor fights McGregor versus anybody, I think it's been said by Dana White himself is it's going to draw numbers. So, you know, whether it be in boxing or MMA at this point, and the boxing seems to pay him a little better, um, especially with the Ali Act being in place there for negotiations and stuff like that. So if they can get the UFC marketing machine behind it, you're looking at another big pay-per-view for boxing with the, if they uh, 
if they can pull it off with Pacquiao and McGregor. But who knows? Uh, you know, that's for the future. We're we're coming in. We're it's a uh, we're coming at the end of September, right? And uh, October, we got October, November, and then de- December, and then 2021. Hopefully, uh, you know, Jesus. Hopefully, things get better, and fans can return to arenas and stuff like that. Because I feel like guys like John Jones, John Jones, uh, you know, even Israel Adesanya, who's who I saw no difference in whether there are fans in the arena or not. I'm surprised nobody asked him about that actually, um, or maybe someone did and I missed it. But uh, no fans in the arena. But you know, there's something that there's something that adds to the glory of the wins and the and you know all, all the all the great moments that happen in combat sports when there's when there's cheers and and booze there. So uh, hopefully we get back to that. But I think that's it for me. I've I've covered everything that there is to cover. From the seven takeaways piece and UFC 253 over at com. Thank you so much for uh, watching. Uh, I appreciate uh, you guys still uh, uh, tuning in for these. Again, like, subscribe to MMANews.com YouTube channel. Um, and uh, I'll see you next Sunday. I'm tapping out for now. See you next week.